It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. They are 8-0 since Christian McCaffrey has um, ascended to the starting lineup. Obviously, they had him for that Chiefs game as well, and McCaffrey was not starting in that game. But since he has become the starter, they have they are undefeated. And can we kind of like can you kind of take me through that and take me through like the impact that McCaffrey has had not only by catching the ball but but again you kind of touched on by by just being on the field. Yeah, no, there are several reasons. About two weeks ago, I put it out an article that despite being here for only six weeks, Christian McCaffrey has been the MVP for the offense this year. He's the main catalyst behind this eight-game winning streak. Brock Purdy has done uh, – he's definitely looked to elevate this offense as well with his play. But this real – the winning streak, the increase in points, yards, everything started when Christian McCaffrey was uh, ascended into the starting lineup in week – I believe week eight against the Los Angeles Rams. Now, just talking statistically, McCaffrey – provides you two different elements that the 49ers haven't had. He provides you a weapon in the in the passing game as a back, but he also provides you the ability to run both inside and outside with his skill set, his elusive skill set where he's physical enough to take the take the hits inside the tackles but also elusive enough where he can get to the outside with the speed and make plays there. And so that provides you multiple dimensions that's why i was super excited when the mccaffrey trade went down that's why i thought it was actually a slam dunk despite the capital not only for uh the capital reasons but also because guess what you now have two running backs in your offense christian mccaffrey and elijah mitchell who have the inside and outside capability that wasn't something the 49ers had all year which was why before that time the 49ers after trey lance went down were rushing for just 3.8 yards per carry and apart from chunk plays were really struggling in inefficiency in the run game they were 26th in dboa 29th in yards per uh yards per carry and certain metrics like that they were they were really low and so you needed that spark you needed more versatility in your offense because it was too uh it was too one-dimensional and that's why teams stacked the box 26 percent of the time when jeff wilson was there because they said guess what you're running inside the tackles we know that because wilson didn't have the speed to the outside so we're just going to stack it and force you to grit it out and so that really caused some offensive inefficiencies to start. When McCaffrey comes, so you see the offense automatically change. You see the outside, you see the inside. And it was really good in that one game when we had Elijah Mitchell before his injury. Mitchell was running very efficiently. McCaffrey was running efficiently. And unfortunately, it, Mitchell went down with another uh, MCL sprain expected back for the playoffs. But you saw the glimpse of what the 49ers offense could be, and you still see it with Jordan Mason. Now, Talking on the film specifically about the receiving part, because I thought McCaffrey's biggest asset was his ability in the receiving game, even more than him as a rusher. McCaffrey moves defenders and he creates favorable matchups. Why? Because now you have five guys on the field that are going to be attached to a certain defender. You're not going to, the, the, you know, teams normally play cover two, cover three, maybe cover one, but they normally have an overhang safety, which means at least one linebacker is going to be on one of those five guys, be it on George Kittle, the tight end, or a safety on George Kittle, or be it on Christian McCaffrey. And so with the route combinations, like you like you mentioned, the high, medium, low that Kyle Shanahan likes to run, it creates diversions. It creates favorable matchups. And so you know it makes it super easy for the quarterback because you understand pre-snap and post-snap which player to identify in the route concept to hit and where you can get the best outcome of a play. 
That's why the offense has seen more success because of the attention McCaffrey demands and because it makes it easier for a quarterback to really read the play. The, the play. That's why you saw Garoppolo go through his progressions on a more consistent basis, why the turnover rate decreased, why the touchdown rate increased, why his efficiency increased, and why the 49ers started that eight-game winning streak, and why also Purdy was able to replicate the success and potentially even elevate that level of success when he came on the field. That's the impact Christian McCaffrey has had. That's why he's my offensive MVP. I love that breakdown. I love I love how you just broke that down. I think that uh, this is why we need to have you on the show more, show more man, because yeah, that was that was just really thorough. I like that. I like that a lot. And, you know, th- the point about hitting your, your second, third, fourth read, I think that that's kind of leading to my next idea where the offensive line has been, for the most part, fantastic this year. And we didn't mm-hmm. expect that because the three interior positions were very, were very much in flux going into the season. And when you lost a, a stalwart like Lincoln Tomlinson, who was just a fantastic player, made his first Pro Bowl last year, and you replace him with Aaron Banks, who was an unknown. You had Jake Brendel, who was an unknown. And now you had the rotation at, at uh, right guard with with um, Spencer Burford and Daniel Brunskill, right, the platooning there. We didn't know what we would get out of them. And Mike McGlinchey coming back from injury. It's just there were so many unknowns along the offensive line, and we didn't know – how they would perform. And that was kind of like the, the main cog in this, in this offense and getting it to go. And for the most part, they've held up well. And you regularly see both Garoppolo and, and Purdy be able to get to the third or fourth read. And for them to be able to do that is huge because a lot of the times that is the read that's open. And that is the read that is the matchup, right? And they're able Mm -hmm. to hit that. And I think that that's been one of the biggest changes this year is that the offensive line has been so much better. No, definitely. I, I think that's fair, and I think that that's important. Back going, backtracking all the way to training camp. I remember there was a disparity between some of the media members and some fans. Media, myself included, who watched training camp, understood this offensive line might go through some ups and downs, but this offensive line is going to be way better than what fans expected. Fans thought no Lakin Tomlinson, no Alex Mack. You lose two potential Pro Bowlers, and you might be you might be down. And it's, I'm not saying that Spencer Burford, Aaron Banks, and Jake Brendel all had elite training camps by any means, but there was enough shown that you had significant optimism about each player that they could replicate, not necessarily replicate, but at least mimic some of the success that the former guys had while being better in certain areas as well. Tomlinson's number one uh, thing as an offensive lineman was availability. I thought he was... I mean, anyone looks better when they're next to Trent Williams. So that that was a thing. It was clear the 49ers weren't going to bring him back at that, at that price range. Max retirement obviously brings in Jake Brendel into the fold. And it's important to understand that they also went through the adversity. Brendel had never snapped to Jimmy Garoppolo before week three. And now you see that the, the sides are clicking. You still have the rotation at right guard. But overall, this team has done well. And it's done well in the phase that, team, uh, that, the, uh, that many didn't expect pass protection it's been better in pass protection potentially than run blocking the 49ers have done been one of the better pass protecting teams in the nfl i think they're a top 15 offensive line potentially fringe top 10 offensive line this year for sure and i think that pass protection has been a huge part a lot of people like to pick on players like mike mcglinchy but when you when when you really delve into the film you understand mcglinchy hasn't necessarily been bad especially as of late he's had a couple of straight good straight good games it's just he falters in key moments. He had two false start penalties in this game in the red zone. He falters in key moments, and that bring the, the confidence is a big thing, and that really alters a fan's perspective of a player like Mike McGlinchey. But overall, the 49ers offensive line has done their job. One thing I will say, 
it's clear though in the running game where they prefer. They like to run it to the left side. They experience mm-hmm. much more success when running to the left side. Obviously, Trent Williams is there, but they like the matchup that they have with the left side, be it with Aaron Banks there or be it with the pulling guard. It's it's clear they they favor that side as opposed to the right side, which is interesting given Mike McGlinchey's reputation as a pretty better, a pretty solid run blocker. Yeah, and I think that might be just more of a reflection of the fact that Trent Williams is a, is a first ballot Hall of Fame left tackle more than anything, right? The fact that he's he's just a road grader over there. But I think that uh, those are all all really valid points, and and I'm glad that you brought up the fact that you saw kind of saw this during training camp. And I think that like what happens is that when we get to cover camp and things like that, there's things that we see that that the, the general public may not. And when we put stuff out, content out, that's based off of those observations, people may be like, Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. But then there's, there's things that, that the seeds are planted at that time. And there's a lot of stuff that kind of comes to fruition as the season goes on. So I'm glad that, that this is something that we've been able to, to kind of bring to the people and say, Hey, like this was actually kind of in the works. This was something that, that we knew was going to, was going to happen. So, um, now, now that being said, I think going back to last year's championship game uh, against against the Rams of I believe the last seven plays, Jimmy Garoppolo was pressured heavily on all of them, including mm-hmm. the interception right. that essentially sealed the game. So, and while you know a lot of that is on him as well to get rid of the ball and, and to be able to find open receivers, when when you're giving up that much pressure at the end of a game, it happened in the Super Bowl as well, where the, the offensive line failed at the worst time against right. the Chiefs. I, I don't see that happening this year for a couple of reasons, just because I feel like Kyle has learned and Purdy is much more mobile. He's able to get away from pressure. He's not just going to be a statue in the pocket. Uh, I think that Jimmy lost a lot of that mobility after the ACL injury and he was not the same player. So I think that, you know, as we kind of wrap up these, this, the offensive side of the ball, what they wanted out of potentially like Mac Jones when they were looking at him and what they wanted out of Trey and what they wanted out of Jimmy is is a lot of what Purdy is doing now, making smart right. decisions, getting rid of the ball quickly, being decisive with the ball, and keeping it away from trouble. And and all of those things, we we haven't had that here since Kyle's been coach, right? So it's exactly. refreshing to see. I, I, I say every game like that I'm waiting that Jimmy starts. I'm waiting for the oh no Jimmy play where mm-hmm. he throws it to a defender and it may or may not be caught. Every game he had one of those plays. You just don't see that with Brock Purdy, and I think that he's wise beyond his years, and it's super, super impressive. And it's the offense as a whole has been has been a very pleasant surprise. So um, I'm hoping that continues going forward, and everybody stays healthy. I will say that the the number one goal right now should be to keep Brock Purdy healthy, because if Brock Purdy goes down, the season is over. You don't, you don't trust to- John Johnson. You don't trust Josh Johnson. Come on, man. Thirty five year old Josh Johnson who hasn't started the game in I don't know how many <sighs> years, man. I just I can't I can't like it's just it's it's over at that point. So they have to keep him healthy. I think that the game plan for the next couple of games going into the playoffs will be. I don't think that Kyle will rest his guys because they have a shot at the two seed. But right, I think the game plan will be just get the ball out of Brock's hands. He will don't don't let him take any hits. Get the ball out of his hands, guys. Get open and and a lot of run after the catch. Mm-hmm. No, I, I expect a run-dominant kind of performance against the Raiders, especially without Chandler Jones and Denzel Perryman, their leading tackler at middle linebacker. I do expect more of a run, uh, run-heavy approach against them, especially with the way that their team is playing thus far. Yeah, I, I think I, I agree. I think that the, the the one thing that I will say here is that it's nice to know that they can throw the ball 37 times and still win like they did against right. Miami, and that was Brock Purdy's first 
that was his first real extended action, right? And I think that that's a huge confidence booster to know that they can do that. And you're you're going up against a shell of a Raiders team right now, right? And we'll get into to that in a second. But uh, I, I do want to give the flowers, uh, my flowers to the defense as well. Another fantastic performance. As Brian Rennick says, the NC-17 defense, they gave up 20 points, but a lot of that, that, a lot of that yardage happened in garbage time. The last touchdown happened in garbage time. So um, NC-17, as, as we've come to know, no chance you're scoring more than 17. So um, I think that this is one of the, the small concerns that Kyle kind of shared this week uh, in his presser was that the back end of the secondary gave up a couple of big plays when, especially when Mooney went out and they were susceptible to that, uh, the third and long plays as well. So those two areas, I feel like they were struggling a little bit against, against Taylor Heineke and, and such with Carson, Carson Wentz. And I feel like that's kind of a room, uh, an area that they can improve on. What, what areas do you feel like the defense can improve on? Yeah, no, I think that that's a main uh, area, specifically in this past game. The one difference between this game and previous games with the 49ers defense, their safeties had been, I mean, their secondary had been doing a good job in eliminating explosives. That's the reason that they hired, or not hired, but signed Traverius Ward, so they could play more man defense, play more cover two shells, play more where they could limit the explosive plays in front of them, keep the ball in front of them, force these shorter gains, and then allow their defensive line to attack on second or third down which forces a third and long or a punt or something like that. I think an area that this team could improve is is that, and that's why one of my areas of concern uh, that I put for the playoffs in my article this past week was Charverius Ward and his health. There's been three or four instances this year where Ward has exited the game for a series of snaps. He's never missed a game, but he's exited the game for a series of snaps, and it's clear what the directive is when Ward is out. Throw exactly to whoever replaces Ward. The Washington Commanders did that this game. Samuel Womack came in, and what do they do? They threw 61-yard pass to Taylor, uh, from Taylor Heineke to Terry McLaurin. Now, was that Womack's fault? No. Deshaun Gibson, the the overhang safety, rotated to Talanoa Funga when he should have remained in a spot and helped on the overhead. But you've got to understand, when Ward goes out, it's not just the play of Ward that leaves. It's the communication that Ward brings. It's the trust that his own teammates have in him. And so that also leaves, and that can lead to these communication uh, miscues. And remember, in the playoffs, it's only one of these plays, two of these plays that really matter. If they get a 60-yard explosive play, they got a touchdown. That's seven points. You might not be able to get those seven points back um, uh, later on. So it's important things like this where the communication is important and things like that, which is why I think it's imperative that Traverius Ward remains healthy for the remainder of the year, not only in between games, but during games, because the 49ers defense is different without him, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think and and one of the reasons why I feel like he does get nicked up a little bit is because he's not afraid to stick his nose in there and make a tackle. He's one of the best tackling corners in the league. And I think that that's one of the things that is, is special about him but also one of the things that also hurts him a little bit, uh, literally hurts him a little bit because he's not shy to, he's not shying away from contact. So I, and I do want to point out that the last touchdown that, that Washington got, it was after the, the Dre Greenlaw should have that, that, that almost pick yeah. should have been a pick and should have been a pick six because they, they blew the play dead and Kyle tried to challenge it. He couldn't because you can't challenge an incompletion from the other team. So uh, again, uh, the, it's just a case of the officials being the officials, but I think that 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 was a big turnover because that let Washington stay in the game. Whereas right. if you know Dre picks that and takes that the other way, the game is essentially over. So you know it's 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 a little bit the score was a little bit misleading. I feel like they put up a really good performance against a team that's potentially going to be in the playoffs, 
And it's uh, what else can you say? Uh, Nick Bosa, I, I feel like he's taken the Nick Bosa has, in my opinion, has taken the pole position for defensive player of the year. He has taken that from Mike Par- Micah Parsons. He has been fantastic. He is approaching the team record for sacks set by Alden Smith. He is approaching the NFL record for sacks. If he can get five and a half in the last two games, which is a stretch, but he has been fantastic this year. His best year as a pro, and he has just been lights out. He's the defensive MVP. You could argue that he is the team MVP as well. No, definitely. It's funny because I look at the pressure charts and I count the pressures myself every game, and it's just like you just think five pressures a game is just normal for a guy like Nick Bosa, which is insane. He got eight pressures this past game. Want to give a shout out to four defenders specifically. Bosa, obviously, the two sack, eight pressure game led the led led the team. But other guys like Ark Armstead. Ark Armstead does a phenomenal job. Sometimes it doesn't even show up on the presser sheet because obviously he takes two defenders and it leaves one open to go after the quarterback. But this game, even with the double teams that he commanded, seven pressures, and then Charles O'Manahue had five. This is a quiet breakout season for Charles O'Manahue, who I think is his fourth or fifth game this year with five pressures. A huge, he's just been imp- very vital. He leads, not leads, but he's top 10 in the NFL in pass rush win rate this year. That's how impressive he's been. And that only improved. He had a 30% pass rush win rate. His normal, his season uh, ranking is 21.9%. So he's been phenomenal for the 49ers. You've got not one, but three different pass rushers that can impact the game on top of the depth. We saw Jordan and Willis make plays. We've seen guys like Drake Jackson, uh, Kevin Givens, Kerry Hyder. We can name players that make plays. There have been games where all nine defensive linemen for the 49ers have got a pressure, but those guys have been phenomenal. The last guy I want to give uh, a shout out to Fred Warner, eight run stops in a single game, 12 tackles in the running game, eight stops in a single game. Normally that's Drake Greenlaw. Uh, this time though, Warner stuck his nose in there got did a phenomenal job in the run game against one of the better run defenses or run offenses as of late in the Washington commanders. Yeah. And to, to that point about Fred Warner. So the, the goal line stand at the beginning of the game. So that, that play, uh, there's one guy that, that you didn't mention actually that I do want to give a shout out to as well, Javon Kinlaw. And on that play, Javon Kinlaw actually took a couple of defenders and opened up a gap for Fred Warner to be able to, to get that run stop. And I think that now with Kinlaw getting more reps and actually getting back in there, you have a, a true run-stuffing defensive tackle or a guy that can occupy space to let these linebackers roam around a little bit. And the fact that the 49ers can roll out two separate defensive lines that have, like you said, legitimate pass rush threats is such a huge advantage because you're not just relying on Nick Bosa on your first unit there. You you can rotate guys in and you're still getting ridiculous pressure rates. So again, I, I've been saying this all season and, I, and I'm sad that these are the last few games that we're going to see D'Amico Ryan's coach this defense. But it's been an absolute, like, awesome. It's been an awesome ride. It's yeah. been awesome to see how they flourished under him. Yeah, no. I, let's hope. Let's hope D'Amico stays one more year. Doubt it's happening. We can only hope. But uh, yeah, he's he's earned his way to probably a head coaching job of his choice. He's one of the top coordinators out there. Great, great. Yeah. I mean, going from Sala to Ryan's, it's been a, a nice couple of years for 49ers fans with their defense. Yeah, I mean, it's been fantastic. And I think that the job that, you know, not only that they've been able to do, but John Lynch, Adam Peters, that they've mm-hmm. been able to, and Martin Mayhew before he left, like they they have done a fantastic job of drafting players, developing them, free agent signings. Like, 
Deshaun Gibson was was signed off off the street. No, he's on, he's on signed with two weeks right? left to start the year. Yeah, exactly right. And he's been fantastic. And people forget that the, that same number two defense that Jimmy carved up in 2017 that that famous Jacksonville defense that they had with Jalen Ramsey and and Calais Campbell and all those guys. Deshaun Gibson was the safety. He he was the safety on yeah. that defense, and he was fantastic that year. So. I feel like, you know, Jimmy Ward has settled into his role in his slot as well now, and, and he famously said oh, that he doesn't like playing the yeah. slot. He's been fantastic in the slot. We thought that there would be a big drop-off after Kwan Williams left, and it's just the next-man-up mentality for this defense, and they are the best defense in the league, in my opinion. This is the best 49ers defense that I have seen ever in my time of watching the team, and this is a championship-level defense, and it is a defense that nobody wants to play in the playoffs.